All right, so we are starting in the book of Genesis today where it all began, um, which is interesting because we have hopped around the Bible so far since we've launched. We launched this church um, back in October, um, so we're still, we're still fairly new. Um, but we decided, because we felt like God led us this way, that we would start the beginning, um, especially uh, for all the people, because we, we started this church with the vision to, to help people, to guide people to experience life in Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we want to do that primarily is to just give people a front row seat to Jesus. And so we we want we feel like starting in Genesis will give people this this foundation uh, for what God does the rest of the entire Bible. Um, because spoiler alert, things are created and then things go bad in a matter of three chapters. And then the majority of this book called the Bible is God making it right with us. Um, and so most of the Bible is between creation and then we sinned, and then there's this huge chunk, and then he comes back, right? And then he executes this plan in the, in the last book, in the end times. And so what we want to be able to do eventually is to walk through this book piece by piece um, and walk through other books piece by piece. And it is insanely important that we understand what God does in the Old Testament if we'll ever appreciate why Jesus came in the first place. Because Jesus was great, and you can have all kinds of different views on Jesus, whether he was a son of God or whether he was just a good teacher or whether he was a prophet or whether he was just this um, ludicrous human being that was recorded 2,000 years ago and we're still reading about him. Wherever your views are on Jesus... They stem from what happens in Genesis. In fact, even more so, most of our beliefs, a significant amount of our beliefs, rather, um, stem from these first couple chapters. Um, In fact, a good number of beliefs that really make people mad about Christians. If you think Christians are crazy, like, we're going to kind of talk why. (laughs) We're going to address a talking snake today. Like, for, for Christians, it's like, oh, it's a talking snake, and the rest of the world's like, you believe that? <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, I know that's weird, it's crazy, but we do. Um, there's all kinds of beliefs that come. Um, people have taken lots of different views out of Genesis that, that go towards marriage, that go towards the role of a man and a woman, that go towards sin, that go towards how God relates to us, how the devil relates to us. All kinds of things happen in these first few chapters. So what we do, not only with the book of Genesis, but with this first week, um, is very, very important. So if you are not a Christian in this room, first of all, we're glad you're here. We, we, we want to be like uber clear about that. We, this is a place for people to come and feel um, comfortable and safe and welcome, A, to ask questions, um, you know, or B, to just learn. You know, if you're like, I, ha- I have no clue. This um, today literally is like the best time you could have ever, ever come to church. If you have questions, like you are in the right spot right now, okay? So that's, that's the intro. The book of Genesis um, is 50 chapters long. Traditionally, we, we, we have it that it was written by Moses. In fact, all first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. And you may be thinking like, Okay, so does that mean Moses was there when God was creating? No, he was not there. God was kind of feeding him this information as he was writing these words down. Um, but in the, first, in the first chapter, we're going to learn a little bit about um, the days of creation. We're going to learn what happens. Um, on chapter 2, we're going to learn specifically about Adam and Eve. And then in chapter 3, we're going to learn about how Adam and Eve eat the fruit and the relationship between God and man is fractured, um, which, by the way, we still believe today um, that that relationship has been fractured, okay? So that's why this is so important, because it stems all the way back to the very beginning. Now, here's what I'm going to attempt to do, okay? Let, let me lay out the, the series that we're walking into so that you understand, because one of the main reasons we're starting in Genesis, like I've already said, is that we've encountered so many people, not just in um, Ohio, but in all the different states that we've lived. There's people that don't feel comfortable in church because of uh, various amounts of reasons, but the main reason that we've, we've heard so far is that people don't know anything about the Bible. Um, you know, I had someone recently say, I'm afraid you're going to call on me, and I'm not 
going to know the answer, and I'm like, not going to do that. Um, some people are just embarrassed because they don't know, and so they feel like they can't engage in conversation. We want to be so clear about this, so clear, like everyone starts somewhere. And I think one of the reasons that I wasn't necessarily a Christian for a long time in my own life, although I grew up in church, is because I, I, needed, I needed one more person. And I don't want to shame anyone that was leading me, like my parents or, or, or different pastors or teachers or Sunday school teachers in my life, but I needed someone in my life that I could sit across the table from and say, I don't get the talking snake. Can you tell me more about the talking snake? You know, I don't get this man and woman and the fruit. Why fruit? Why, you know, I, someone just to ask questions to. And I encountered that person personally um, in high school, someone that allowed me to ask all the questions. And sometimes those questions sounded dumb coming out of my mouth. And he was like, no, no, no. If no one has ever taught you, of course you wouldn't know. You know what I mean? And so the book of Genesis is going to be, 50 chapters, right? And so you're like, oh my gosh, this series is going to be extremely long. Um, we are going to take it in, 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 in bite-sized chunks, and we're going to attempt to spend 20 weeks in this book, okay? So it's going to be a minute, right, before, we, before we're done. Um, 20 weeks. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of speed read through some of the portions. Some of the portions, God is laying out laws, and we're not necessarily going to read through all the different little laws and stuff like that, okay? We're going to hit some big historical moments, some big landmarks. And so that way, at the very least, you can say, I leave having like a general idea of what the, the beginning of the Bible is all about. That's going to be the win for us. Not that you're an expert, right? Because I'm not an expert. So if you're an expert from my teaching, there's something wrong because I'm not there yet, okay? Um, I hope that you do learn a lot, um, but we're going to hit some major historical landmarks, and we're going to start at the beginning in verse 1. Verse 1 and 2 say this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, so that's the beginning. That, this is our origin story. Already, this is offensive to people who believe in, say, like a Big Bang or something like that, which, by the way, not talking about today because, remember, I'm not an expert, right? I, I, I'm not an expert. But here's what I would say. This, this is the origin story of us. Like, if you were to read the Bible, in the beginning, God was there. Now, this verse assumes a lot. This verse assumes that God was always there. And, and as you read the rest of the Bible, you learn more and more and more that God was eternal. He's the beginning and the end. He's always been there. So if you can wrap your mind around this for a second, which you can't, if you, if you can, you've got this superhuman like IQ that I can't fathom. He's always been alive in the past, and he'll always be alive in the future. Like there's never been a moment in history, if you can call it that, that God wasn't there right? Like, mind blown. I don't know what to do with that. I can't, I can't fathom that. Like, we have a beginning and an ending. Us, God did not. You're going to learn a little more in just a second that God is, is, is in the form of a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that, that he's three in one, another one of those mind-blown moments, right? Um, that he existed in perfect community by himself before he ever decided to create. But he created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and void, and the darkness was over the face of the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, interesting, in verse 3 all the way to 31, you're going to get um, the days of creation. And I've created a slide for you just to give you maybe a quick glimpse at what he creates, okay? So day one, he's going to create light. We'll read that. Um, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, so out of the voice, out of the mouth of God um, speaks creation, Right out of nothing. It wasn't like he had tools. He didn't have Legos. Right. He 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 spoke, and 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 and, and light happened. God saw the light, and the light was good. Uh, God separated the light from the darkness. He called the day 
the light day and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There's this kind of repetition. You're going to see at the end of every day, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, the second day, the third day. The second day, he said, let there be an expanse. And this is the weird one for me. When, when I was growing up, I had, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, I had a KJV Bible, a King James, which has the oldest like language you can possibly read. And it's, you, you, when you hand a child a, a King James Bible, it's, it's essentially asking him, Good luck. <laughs> Do with this what you will. And if I remember correctly, this word was firmament. Firmament. Now, if you're a kid, uh, the word firmament there, um, I'm thinking like, well, it's firm. It's like land. And this is not what this expanse or this firmament was. In fact, as I was studying, um, this word is actually translated vault, which does nothing for you because it's not like a bank vault. It's nothing like that. Essentially, what the... Um, what the, the word here is, is, is atmosphere, okay? So what you're going to read is that let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters, which is like, what? Um, the waters up above and the waters below. So we're talking like, you know, how like obviously, uh, again, I'm not an expert, um, but the way the weather works, whether the, the rain falls, it, it gathers, and then there's mist and it rises, and it's all the scientists in the room were like, he knows nothing about our weather system at all. Here's what I do know. It kind of is a cycle, right? Like, and, and God has separated it with our atmosphere. You know, and, and it's funny, like, when, uh, when we're driving, and look, this is the best way I know how to explain it to my kids when we talk about creation. Um, you know, sometimes my kids will look around, or I will look around, and I'll be like, that cloud looks like a dog or something like that, you know? You ever play that game with kids and stuff like that? It's fun, and, and it kind of looks like as if, as if the clouds are sitting on something, and that's that's. That's the expanse. That's the firmament. That's the, the atmosphere there. God made the expanse, separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. Um, interestingly enough, the word there is, is beaten or hammered out. That's the word there. That's the original language. And so um, imagine this, this um, image of, of God creating kind of this, this separation and so that's what, that's what happens on day two. Day three, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. This is the firmament that I thought that I was reading about. <laughs> this is the earth, um, not the firmament. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered into uh, together. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. Uh, let the earth sprout vegetation. This is verse 11. Yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its own kind on the earth, it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation. So this is, this is how all of this happens. And I know you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to go through everything. Here's what I want to point out. These first three days, God creates these things. And here's what is so interesting. And this is where people, if they don't believe the Bible, here's where they're going to poke holes and stuff. Because you're about to get into day four and you're going to be like, so there was light and then there was the sun. Explain that. Right? The, the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, but here's what's interesting. If you look at what's happening here, the way that God created in these, in these six days, day one works with day four, day two works with day five, and day three works with day six. God formed the light, right? And, and, and imagine this. This is, this is how it was written and how I was read that, that clarified it so much for me. If we believe in a God that created the universe, can we not also create a God or imagine a God or believe in a God that could actually be the source of his own light, right? And, and if you flip all the way to the end of the Bible, into the book of Revelation, what you'll see there is there is no need for sun in heaven. Why? Because God is the source of light for that city, right? So there's something happening here, but you know, if you're a skeptic, you can poke holes in it all day if you want. Um, but it's, it's all the way into the book of Revelation that we really ought to pay attention to the fact that God is our source for light and not just the sun, right? The sun will burn up one day. The sun will burn up one day, but, but God will always be there. The expanse, the, the separation between the waters, um, on day five, he creates the animals in the sky and in the water. And then on day three, right, the land comes up and the vegetation. And on day six, he creates the animals on land, and he also creates man. Um, let, me, let me go through this real quick. God said, this is verse 14. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let, there, uh, let them be uh, for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. 
God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. You know that as the sun and the moon. Um, and really, the moon is really just a reflector, not a, not a source of light, but a reflector of light. Um, God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and the night. There was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. Um, day five, let the waters swarm with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth uh, to be fruitful and multiply. There's evening and morning, day, the fifth day. The sixth day, let the earth bring forth living creatures of all kinds. And by the way, can I just pause for a minute? Have you ever had that moment? Because you're reading through, and if you're, if you're imagining like all the different animals that were created in this moment that would be named by Adam and Eve, can you think of all those different moments in life when you have encountered some sort of creature, maybe in your home that's not usually in your home, and you're like, why on earth did God create stink bugs? Like, why stink bugs, right? Why spiders? What's the point? You know, why can we just do without tarantulas? Can we, you know, and God, God created them all, you know. Um, he created the, the creeping things. Um, but then in verse 26, it's, it gets interesting because then God pauses and talks to himself. Remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, it, and, and in verse 26, he says, let, God, let us make man in our image. That's important. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and the creeping things that creep on the earth. Okay, so, so God created man to have dominion over everything. That's important. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish, the sea, and all the animals. Um, God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. Notice, uh, pay attention there, okay, because this is not good news for someone like me. I was talking with Sean about this. If you study the book of Genesis, what you notice is that God gives them green things to eat, um, and then it's not until after the fall that they get to eat animals. And I'm like, why has that got to be a sinful thing? Like, I like a ribeye. Why does it have to be like a result of the fall, you know? I don't, I don't know. Sorry, side point. <laughs> got distracted there for a minute. So he gave them seed, uh, to eat, you shall have them for food. Um, to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. Thanks a lot, God. Um, so God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, interestingly enough, we see in the very first part of chapter two that God rests. So day six, I'm sorry, day six, yeah, he creates man and animals and all that, but day seven, he, he rests. Verse uh, one from chapter two, he says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from the work that he had done in his creation. Um, interestingly enough, God does not need to rest. This is not some necessity for him. In fact, if you read through the Bible, you'll start to notice that numbers mean something. Um, there's a, a, in, the, in the Bible, the, the number seven kind of shows you uh, kind of the idea of completion or a fullness. Um, in fact, the, the number seven and the, the number 40 kind of have a similarity in that way. You'll you notice a lot of kings reigned for 40 years and they were done. There's a completion there. But interestingly enough that he, he rests on day seven, and, and in, in the Old Testament, usually the number eight kind of refers to a new beginning of some sort. And think of that as a week, like the, uh, a period of sevens. The eighth day is kind of a new beginning. Um, and so he shows us the example of rest. Um, anyone else in here not good at resting? You know, some of us are like, no, I would prefer to take a nap every day. I liked kindergarten where you laid out a mat and we had nap time. And I, I thank you, God, for that. Day seven is good with me. And, and for some of us, uh, the type A, the to-do list people, the, 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 the work is never done people, um, we struggle a little bit with this. And God gave us this example, not because he needed a nap, but because he wanted to show us the example. And listen, it's not just a nap 
right? It's not just escaping from life, but, but he made it holy. He blessed it. He made it holy. Um, the word there is sanctified or set apart, right? Have you ever had a day? Um, I've got a birthday coming up, and I know that there's going to be a day that I'm going to set apart, right? And it's like, I'm not cleaning. I'm watching TV, right? I, I'm, I'm going to eat something really bad for me. Um, that I, I'm setting it apart, right? That, that's kind of the same idea. Um, every week you should, and, and I know I'm talking to people that may work two, three jobs, have kids, like your life is crazy and I understand it and I, and I, I totally get that. But here's what I want you to push. You may not be able to do it this week or next week or next month, but I am challenging you on authority of scripture and the example that God set up for us. Push towards having a Sabbath, a day, right? A day for you to reflect on the good things that God has done in your life. Because it's not just sleep, right? If it's sleep and ignoring God, it's not really a true Sabbath. It's in this moment, he made it holy. He blessed it. He, he put his special blessing on it. I think we ought to do that as well. So, so maybe there's a day for you. Honestly, that day is Monday for me, right? Because Sunday has its stresses and stuff like that. And in my personal rhythms, I take Mondays off right? Um, and so what I do is I, I wake up. I probably am going to watch some sports center. I'm going to relax a little bit. Um, but a day, a day to focus on the good things that God has done in my life, um, to reflect on what he's done in the past, to ask him for wisdom on what is going to happen in the future. Um, I, I, th- I just think that's important. So we travel into the creation of man and woman. And interestingly enough, Moses kind of dips into the specifics of what happened on day six with the creation of man. So this, if you wanted to, you, you could look at this as like a day eight creation, but don't be tempted to do that. He's essentially specifying more clearly what happened on day six because he's about to talk about God creating man and woman. So verse four says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Um, when there was no bush in the field yet, uh, was yet in the land, no small plant of the field uh, had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, which is a nod to the flood, which we'll talk about next week. Um, verse 6, a mist was going up from the land, was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And that is how we started, right? Um, There's lots of different beliefs um, that we could go into that we don't have time to. Um, And honestly, I don't want to focus on the wrong thing today. I want to focus on what God did with creating us. This is the origin story of the human race. God made man, right? And, And in this case, God created man, and there's this mankind. But in this moment, what God is saying is man specifically, not woman. He created man out of the dust because where is he going to? He's going to create woman in a second out of Adam's rib, right? Which is just why the rib? I don't know. God chose it to be that way. Um, So in verse 7, God formed the man from dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. There he put the man whom he had formed out of the ground of the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant, right? And then you're going to notice the tree of life was there and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there. Um, a river flowed out. There's, there's some rivers. We'll skip over this. Um, the Lord God in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. This is, this is so huge because this is the moment, right, where you, you have the only God's only rule in this whole, this whole creation story. The Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God's one rule. Which, if I can just maybe make light of this situation a little bit, that's almost like saying like to my three-year-old, there's all these things at the table, right? But don't touch that cupcake, right? Don't touch that cupcake, you know? And I'm not saying that God was tempting him. Uh, I'm just making light of it. But you've got this moment where God has provided everything that Adam will ever need. And in a moment, he's going to create a woman, which kind of completes that story. 
The Lord God, verse 18, said, it is not good. He has said so many things. It is good, it is good, it is good. Verse 18, he says, it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. I need to stop there for a second. Um, you could take that a lot of ways, right? Because he's about to create Eve. He's going to call her the helper. And in some forms, um, in some, some people, what they'll do with that, they'll say, well, the man is here and the woman's here. She's the helper. God created Adam first and then the Eve. And what we need to remind ourselves with is, and I'm not going to get into a huge argument, but I'm just going to say this. God uses the same word to describe Eve that he uses to describe the Holy Spirit, the helper, right, the comforter. Um, and so that is a high calling. That is a high calling. And I don't think it's by mistake that God uses that same word, like to, to use uh, the same word that he would use um, the Holy Spirit. And so he's going to cr- create Adam and Eve together, and he's going to create a helper suitable for Adam. Out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field, the heavens, and brought up the man to see what he would call them. So he names all these animals. And um, where is it? But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Thank you very much, God. Because that could have just been a weird existence. Could you imagine? I mean, because Adam's only been around for a couple minutes, you know, and he's like looking. Just imagine all the animals, and you're like, no. No. You know, and what's interesting is that he's probably noticing that there's two by two by two of everything that are going to procreate. Um, but he is the only one left, and so um, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. While he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed it up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man into a woman brought her to the man, and then the man said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, Whoa, man because she was taken out of a man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife or cleave to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed, which is like, what an existence, you know? Like, they're in this garden. They've got everything. They're apparently supposed to walk around without clothes. That's not like something weird that people get end up on the news, you know? Like, this is, this is the whole point. And, uh, and, and jokes aside... There is something beautiful in this moment about being naked and unashamed because you could take the word naked, you know, literally, and you could say that, but there's also this kind of, um, you know, this metaphorical idea of just being whole in front of someone, right? Because we all know what it's like to throw up our walls and to protect ourselves and to, to not necessarily be ourselves in front of everyone around us, right? Because we've We've got some walls that have been put up because we've lived this life for long enough to know that people are going to, you know, use that against us, that people are going to um, take shots at us and all this kind of stuff. But the original intent was for man and woman to be um, intimate with each other, um, you know, not just physically, but, but also metaphorically to be, to be open, right? Just to say, like, here I am. This is that's such a beautiful picture, you know, to think like, the walls are down, right? The, the, the bulletproof vest is off, right? If you want to take shots, you can, but you won't because you love me and I love you. It's this beautiful picture of marriage. Um, and so then everything goes terrible. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 3, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And, and just real quick, let me just, it's, it's not necessarily plainly um, stated here. There's lots of people that would believe that this isn't necessarily Satan, and that's, that's the traditional reading. Um, some people would say, well, it doesn't say Satan. It says serpent. This is, this is Satan in his first attempt to uh, deceive Adam and Eve. And interestingly enough, he, the, the, it's, a, it's a question, right? It's a, and it's not an honest, like, intellectual, like, I don't know the answer question. It's, it's, a, it's a jab. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, this is how Satan works. He, he's going to question God's word, right? He's going to deceive you. He's going to twist God's word. Um, Satan is not, the, not just the ultimate liar and deceiver, but he's the ultimate uh, counterfeiter. He's going to take something that God has created. I mean, and, and this, 
This jumped out to me yesterday, just for the first time. He even counterfeited the snake, which, guys, whatever you think about snakes, God called it good. Like, I don't like snakes, um, but God called it good, and Satan has used the serpent, which God has created for something bad, and then he's going to use God's word against them. He's going to twist it and deceive them, and he, by the way, he's still doing this today. There's no new tricks. There's no, he's just going to twist it. And, and if you've ever had a moment where something that you have long trusted in the face of struggle or temptation or fear, you have that moment where you're like, I don't even really know if all that stuff I believed about the Bible is true. I don't know. You can count on the fact that Satan or his demons are whispering lies in your ear. I know that's weird and crazy, and I know... I've already stated, we, we believe in a talking snake and six days of little creation and everything was here and, and man out of dust and woman out of man's ribs. So like, yeah, the demons like are not too far-fetched for us to believe that, that Satan would literally send his evil demons to come and whisper lies in your ear. If you've ever had moments where you've caught yourself like having that conversation imaginarily, like where you're like telling your boss off and stuff like that, maybe Satan is whispering in your ear to create bitterness, you know, like, yeah, I know it's real, right? Like, apparently I've had that because that was my first, you know, illustration. Um, so he says, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Did, did God actually say that? And the woman said, so look, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Verse 4, it keeps going on. Um, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So now he's outright lying. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And so here's, here's what the serpent, here's what Satan is going to do to us. He's going to take God's word and he's going to show you how it's bad for you how God is somehow against you, how I, I have to do this for just a second. And I know this is, you're going to nerd out for just a second. Um, I was watching Star Wars yesterday with my kids. Um, and, and there was this moment where in episode three, and I know you're like episode, you know, the ep yes, I know the episode, like we were watching this movie and you've got Anakin Skywalker who is, um, in this moment, like he's pushing and pushing and pushing to be like on the good side. Um, but he keeps being drawn away by these enticing temptations. Um, and he, spoiler alert, he ends up bad, right? So sorry if I just broke your world. But um, this, in essence, the serpent saying to the woman, it reminded me yesterday when someone was whispering in Anakin's ear, the Jedi don't want good for you. The Jedi want to destroy what, what is working. They want to take away everything that's good. And Anakin, you just, this little whisper of a lie creeps in and it starts to change his mind. And so when he sees things happening, the lie colors everything almost as if it's a lens he's looking through. And so now this lie of the devil is, is coloring the lens of Eve. And he's saying, you will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other, he is playing to her pride. He's playing to her like desire to maybe be more than just woman, but to be God. Um, and Adam is going to do the same thing in a second. So when the woman saw the tree that was good for food, and then it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and listen, they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They they didn't just know they were naked. Like, there was shame in that. They started covering up. They started putting up the walls. They started, they started guarding themselves. They, they, there was fear and shame brought into the situation. Guys, this is some of the most important verses. It sets up the entire, not only Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. And if you, if you pay attention, you, you see God... Um, you know, offering you what's good in life and Satan trying to counterfeit that in your life, I guarantee that if you were to pay attention right now and bring this story into your real life, you could see where Satan was whispering lies into your life. Because I feel it. Sometimes I feel like Satan is whispering lies that, that want to break relationships or they want to take uh, me down a path that's not healthy or they want to um, change my views on something that God has clearly said is trustworthy and foundational. And Satan will do that. He'll whisper those lies. 
So then they sowed the fig leaves. They made themselves loincloths. Verse 8. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the, wa- the, man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? This is so interesting. Because again, did God rest on the seventh day because he was tired? No. He was setting up an example for us. He, did, he, did he need the answer to this question? Right? All seeing, all knowing God just created the cosmos. Where are you? Because I, I can't see you. I, I don't know. I'm limited. No. He, like, he is asking a relational question to them. This is a DTR. Right? Define the relationship. This is like a, why did you run away from me? Why are you hiding? Verse 10 goes on. So Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave... (laughs) Just like a man. (laughs) The woman you gave to me. This is not my fault, clearly. Uh, She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. This is is like God's heartbreak moment. You know? Like he said it all. He created everything, right? and, and, And man and woman were the pinnacle of his creation, right? He would call them very good. He would lay out all this stuff, and then he creates them, and then he gives them a garden. He gives them everything that they need, and what do they do? They walk away from him. Essentially, they spit in his face. Again, if you're reading this story and you're like, you're seeing this moment happen in your own life, I'm on that club too. Like, have you ever had that moment where you've you know you've turned your face away from God. You know you've turned your back on him and, and all these promises and all this provision that he's given you and all this love that he's given you. And, and we sometimes choose our own path. And listen, that is all of us. That is all of us, right? We, when, when this happened, this fractured God and humans' uh, like relationship forever. This is, this is why when, when I take my kids out to eat, they're going to kick and scream and fight and like, that's like, because they have a sin nature, right? I told my, my mom that one time, they do not have a sin nature. I'm like, mom, I love you and I know you love your grandkids, but they have a sin nature. You should see them when they're not, like, sucking up to you for presents. Like, they have a sin nature, right? They do. They, they, they have a sin nature because of what happened in this moment. This is, this is a doctrine of original sin, and what happens is it fractured the relationship um, genetically all the way down until we see Jesus in the New Testament come. But, but this is like the heartbreak moment for God. He created them. They walked away from him. And now there's got to be a consequence. So he's going to talk to the serpent first, and then he's going to talk to Eve, and then he's going to talk to Adam. So here's the aftermath for the serpent. Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed you are. Cursed are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and, the, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity or, or strife or, or tension between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. So think of this as Satan's offspring and, and the woman's offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now here's why this is good news. Because it's like the bruising, the head, the heel, what's, what is that? This right here, if you were to study on this, this is, this is probably the high point of this whole sermon. Because this is all about the gospel. The gospel, right? Jesus, yes. This is exactly what this is about because all this whole time God had a plan. So in this moment, God is executing his plan for redeeming humankind already, right? It's happened. And, and you know how, like, if you're a parent and if you have kids, like, you have this moment where, okay, so my kids and I were wrestling last night. Apparently, it's going to get really personal, so I, I apologize. We're wrestling last night, and I've got a five-year-old who, who has grown up a lot this year and doesn't know how big and strong he is. 
He's like, you know, like you, there's, there's puppies that fit in your hand, and then there's puppies that are like born the size of elephants. That's what he is right now. He's like the boxer that you bring home that is not housebroken, that breaks everything. That's him. So we're wrestling last night, and he's, he, he, I had kind of knocked him down a little bit, and then I had some other, I have three kids, so it's like when we wrestle, it's three on one all the time. And so I'm, I've got these other two, and then I turn my head, and my son, I'm not going to do it all the way for you, but he's laid on his back, and he's got his, his, his leg pulled back, and he kicks me square in the eye. And I'm like, why would you? It's all of a sudden, it's like this anger rises. My blood is instantly rising to the level of 220 degrees Fahrenheit, like it's boiling, and I'm angry. And in this moment, I'm like... I'm not, I'm not Christ-like. I'm not like, you know what? Can we just have a moment where we, let's, let's redeem this relationship. You didn't mean to, and I'm sorry that I was, I wasn't there yet. I was like, ah, you know, I had this like anger rising up in me. And I was like, why did you do it? And I had no desire. But God, being the perfect father, immediately says, because you've done this, right? Here's the deal. But he is going to prophesy the future. This is all about Jesus eventually coming through the line of Eve because years and years and years and years all through the Bible are going to happen, and Jesus is going to come through the line of David, who is generations away. But this is all about, hey, he shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. In other words, you are going to hurt him. This Jesus, right? This offspring. But he's going to smash your head. In other words, he's going to win the fight, right? He's going to win the war. Jesus is going to bring everything into redemption and to completion. This is, um, this is the first telling of the gospel. We haven't gotten out of Genesis chapter 3, and God has already told the story of the gospel to the world. So then he goes on, he speaks to the woman, and it's not good news, right? I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. I am sorry. I'm sorry, women. I will surely multiply, because honestly, we got the good end. Like, work is hard. He's going to say in just a minute, right, to Adam, he's going to say, you're going to sweat. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, thorns and thistles it shall bring for you. Uh, you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, you are dust. And to dust you shall return. That's, that's what he says. But the woman gets multiplied childbirth, and the, the man gets, we made out pretty good. But here's, what, here's what's interesting about this, is that when I see God speaking to Adam last, I see God saying to Adam, you had a role here in leadership. I put you out there. I gave you the rule. And, and here's what I think God is saying. What happens with you and your wife, you are the one that's going to answer for that. So the way that when Christy and I eventually meet God in heaven, I am going to answer, I believe, based on what happens here. I'm going to answer for how I led my family, right? I'm also going to answer for how I led this church. You know, there's, there's a higher calling been put on, on me as a leader of my home. And I think what God is saying here is, because you listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten the tree of which I commanded her. No, I commanded you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So, so there's, there's lots that, that we could read into this story, but, but the good news is this. In verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And then here's another um, forward look to Jesus. The Lord God made Adam, for Adam and for his wife, garments of skins and clothed them. Right? So this, this innocent animal in the garden as a result of what they did, because naked and unashamed was plan A. It's a pretty good plan. <laughs> but, but plan B, God's, God's plan of redemption, the Lord God made for Adam and his wife, 
garments of skin and clothed them. So an, so an innocent animal died to clothe Adam and Eve. And I think that, again, is a picture of one day Jesus being sacrificed for our salvation. Why? Because he had to? No. But because God loved us. But because God loved us that much. Um, here's, here's the main point today. Because that, that's three chapters, and it's three very important chapters. It sets up the whole, the whole Bible. But here's what, it, here's what I'm seeing. God desperately wants to be in a loving, trusting relationship with us. That's the big takeaway. God wants to be in a loving, trusting relationship with us. He, he, could, have, um, he could have chosen not to create man and woman. He could have chosen not to redeem us. If you read the rest of the Bible, he could have chosen not to over and over and over give us second, third, fourth, fiftieth, hundredth, millionth chances. But he did. Why? Because he loved us. He created a garden to dwell with us. Fast forward all the way to today. We're looking back on this story. We have the whole Bible. We see, we see that Jesus has come. He's died. He, he defeated death and sin and offered that to us through his surrender, right? His sacrifice on the cross. All of that is a picture that God is fighting, fighting to show us how much he loves us. He's fighting for that. And so in the days that you feel alone and like God doesn't know what you're going through, and that you're, you don't know if you can make it, here's, here's what I'll say. In the moments where we have turned our back on God, which has been exemplified, not just Adam and Eve, but all throughout the Bible and also in our own life, we've all turned our back on God. God says, I love you so much that I would send my only son to die on a cross for you. That's the truth. And you're going to read the rest of the Bible, and you're going to see that over and over and over again. He loves you. He loves you. And he is going to put his son on a cross to die, to suffer, so that you could have relationship with him. And if you read the end of the book, in, in Revelation, there's a new heaven and a new earth, a new dwelling place for us to spend eternity with God. But here's what he says. He says, I, I'm, I'm asking for relationship. I'm not asking for you to do life your own way, to, to offer some trite prayer, to somehow go after all these different religions and hope this is the right one. I created you, and I want relationship with you. I, I want you to surrender your life. I want, I want to have relationship with you. I want you to do life the way I, I offered you everything in the garden, and you chose the one fruit that I commanded you not to eat. And it's not you know, sometimes we look at the Bible as a book of rules, and it's not rules. There was one rule in that whole story, and they broke it. Like, we make it about rules because we were so laser-focused on the fact that sometimes God has a standard. And the standard is not just so that we would live some miserable life. He provided all this whole huge spread of everything in the garden for them to eat because that's the way he planned it. That's the way he offered it. That's the way, that's the way life was supposed to be lived. That was God's plan, Right? for them to do life the way that he would suggest, that he would command, that he would offer to them. And not just for them to be by themselves, but then for them to be in a relationship with him. So, so here's what I'm, I'm challenging you today. If you've turned your back on God, which by the way is all of us, right? Like none of us is perfect. If you've turned your back on God and you're like, I don't know what to do. Like I've, I've gone too far, I've done too much. Here's what the Bible would say. The Bible would say, no one's gone too far. No one's done too much. God is consistently showing us all the time that he wants more for you, that he has love for you, that he has forgiveness for you, that he has grace for you. Even though some of us, all of us, excuse me, all of us have at one point or another turned our back on him, he loves us. Why? He wants relationship, loving, trusting relationship. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a minute. I don't know where you're at today. Um, but I know that for me, this is not, this is not just a, a one time I, I surrender my life to Jesus and then I, I have this belief that I go to heaven and then I go to church and everything's going to be good. But, but as a Christian and even as a pastor, I wake up every morning and I, I remind myself how good God is. That's part of that Sabbath. I remind myself how good God is, that he has love for me, that he has Su supply for me, that he, he provides for me, that he takes care of me, that, that he is everything for me, and that what he has laid out 
is everything I need. And so wherever you are today, um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or make some big, bold decision. But here's what I'm going to say. If you are in a moment where you're like, you know what? I'm being reminded today that God loves me, and I've been running from that. If you want to stay after and talk, we would love to talk with you. If, if you want to uh, grab lunch sometime and ask questions about, about life, about the Bible, about God, we would love to do that with you. If you, if you have questions, please know um, that you, you, you may not be ready today to make some big, bold faith move, um, but if you would surrender your life to Jesus, here's what I'll promise. This is what we're hanging our whole life and our whole church on, is that if you surrender your life to Jesus, that you will find life like you will never find anywhere else. He's good. He's good. And he's everything you need. Not just eternity in heaven, but his presence right now. And pray for you. God, thank you for <clears throat> thank you for rescuing us. Lord, I think about all the different times that I have walked away from you, that I have chosen my own path, that I've, I've looked at what you say is good and I've called it not good enough. God, and I'm just, I'm sorry for that. Lord, I, I know that I'm not perfect and that none of us in here are perfect, but, but we want to we bow to you right now just to remember that you're good, that you're everything that we need, that you're enough. So God, if there's people in here today that are just kind of wrestling with all of this, that that, that maybe don't go to church, that maybe aren't Christians but are, but are thinking about it, that maybe, maybe they grew up in church but they've walked away from it, Lord, but they have questions. Lord, I pray that they would make the bold move to just ask a question or, or to ask for prayer or to have a conversation with the person that brought them or, or with, with one of our team members. Lord, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness to take a next step. For those of us that, that are Christians and that tend to do life on our own, Anyway, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that when we wake up in the morning, Lord, we can depend on you because you are good. Uh, you are good every single day. Um, that we are not looking forward just to eternity, but Lord, every day with you and your Holy Spirit is everything that we need and more. Lord, we so much. We, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for everything, every good gift that you've given us. It's in your name I pray. Amen.